Hello, amazing, beautiful ladies. You are listening to the Igbo Women's Initiative podcast with Ugochi Onyewu. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the Igbo Initiative podcast, where we celebrate all things Igbo. We speak to amazing women in different walks of life who are either Igbo or who are friends of Igbo culture. October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. National Breast Cancer Awareness Month is an annual international health campaign organized by major breast cancer charities every October to increase awareness of the disease and to raise funds for research into its cause, prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and cure. As part of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, the Igbo Initiative is so proud to talk to Mrs. Ifi Anne Mwabupu, who is the president and founder of the African Women's Cancer Awareness Association, AWCAA. Mrs. Mwabupu obtained a bachelor's degree in nursing from Howard University in Washington, D.C., and a degree in hospital administration at Strayer University. The African Women's Cancer Awareness Association was birthed and launched in September 11, 2004, as a result of her experience dealing with breast cancer from two women who she loved and who had made a great impact in her life. The first was her mother, and the second was her best friend. She created the AWCAA in response to the lack of culturally competent services for African-born women and the high rate of breast cancer mortality in this group. Under her leadership, this organization has trained lay health workers and professionals and successfully conducted outreach and navigation services. She remains active in the community, mentoring youth and volunteering in civic and health-based organizations. She is a 2012 Robert Wood Johnson Community Health Leader, a member of the Maryland Nurses Association and African Community Cultural Organizations. In this episode, Mrs. Mwabupu helps us understand that breast cancer does not discriminate. It has no restrictions to certain educational levels, age boundaries, nationality, ethnicity, religion, financial status, or gender. Statistics reveal that one in every eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. Mrs. Mwabuku discusses her own battle with breast cancer and stresses the importance of an early diagnosis. She reassures us that a breast cancer diagnosis is not the fault of the patient and it is not something to be ashamed of. Work continues through research, education and cutting-edge science to find a cure for breast cancer. But until then, we are all in this battle together, racing against time to save more lives. Mrs. Mwabuku is playing her part through the AWCAA, working tirelessly with African women to reduce mortality rate to breast cancer. So good evening, Mrs. Mwabuku. It's so nice to talk with you this evening. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm really excited to be talking with you. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. We are going to kick it off the way that I always kick it off. We start off by 
introducing the guests to the audience. I want to start, uh, if you wouldn't mind, telling us a little bit about yourself. You know, where were you born? Where did you grow up? What part of Igbo land are you from? As much information as you can share, that would be wonderful. Okay, my name is Ifani Ann Wabuku, and I was born and bred in Jos, which is now uh, Plateau State, mm-hmm. Nigeria. I am from Asaba, and that's in Delta State, mm-hmm. Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And I love being an Igbo woman. Even though Igbos from the uh, Delta area will call our siblings after the Nigerians and Igbo. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Igbos, and I'm really proud to be an Igbo. Yeah. Well, I am assuming that you speak Igbo very well, correct? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My parents, both of them, were Sabah. So we spoke Igbo in the house, and um, you know I'm really glad I had that opportunity. Yes, of course, of course, of course, and and uh, maybe you can share with us some of the experiences that you remember that are your most favorable, even now, because I know you you visit home quite a bit. What it, what would you say are some of the favorite events that you have? Would it be like traditional weddings? Would it be Christmas in the village? Tell us a little bit about what your favorite event is uh, and why. What I remember most and what is my favorite uh, memorable event was going to the farm. Mm. I said I was uh, born in the north so my father made it a duty that every year he took the whole family back home. Hmm. And so uh, my grandfather, my original grandfather, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him. But um, the person I have as a grandfather made sure that each time we came home, he would make sure... He took us to the farm, and that's a luxury and things that uh, these day and age people have lost. Mm. A lot of people don't even know what going to the farm means, mm. and really, really treasure that experience because mm. it me all the crops, how they grew it. Um, how you, you know, do all that. He made sure he explained things to us. And I thank him for that. Yes, that's amazing. You're right. You know, you're the first person that's talked about the farm. And that's such an important part. Yes, I'm so glad you (laughs) talked about that. You you talked about that, you know, this day and age, a lot of us don't really understand what it means to go to the farm. So it kind of leads me to another question. Why do you think it's important to pass on a love for our culture and our traditions to the next generation? Oh, it's really important because when our children, especially for those of us that now live out here, Mm. do teach and imbibe our culture to our children, Mm. uh, we do them a disservice. Mm. We really do. It's important that they know where they come from. Mm. It's 
understand that they be affiliated and have some kind of connection with their cousins, their um, relations back in Nigeria. Mm. And in that case, there's something that pulls them back. And also, don't forget in our culture, we, the women, especially Igbo women, we tie our wrapper real tight mm. and make sure we can single-handedly raise our kids. Mm-hmm. We uh, do know that they, uh, our husbands are the breadwinners and they stand by us. But most of us Igbo women do not joke with raising our kids. Mm. We'll give up everything to make sure that you're there for your kids mm. and that most importantly, we must teach them the language. Mm. A lot of us are failing in that angle mm. where we speak English all the time. You take the children back home, they don't understand. Mm. But what I find very interesting is that women back in Nigeria who live there also spend all their time speaking English to the children. Yes, yes. And yes. I mean, to me, it's very interesting. <laughs> so I'm here saying, well, my children understand, but they can't speak it. Yet you take them back home, they're on the same level with their cousins. I'm like, <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> so I think we have to reverse a little bit. Mm. We should teach our children how to speak our language. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're so right. And, you know, you mentioned that you take your children back home. So um, just for the audience, Mrs. Mabuku is based here in the U.S. I'd like to talk a little bit about the reason that we're having this discussion today. Obviously, it's a nod to Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but Mrs. Mwabuku is such an important pioneer in this organization. And Mrs. Mwabuku, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about um, AWCAA. I know that you founded it in 2004. Maybe you can just explain to the audience what it is, what it does, and why you founded the organization. Okay, so AWCAA stands for African Women's Cancer Awareness Association. Mm -hmm. In 2004, when it was founded, I founded it based on two women who mean a lot to me and who have had very positive influences in my life. One of them was my mother. Mm. So my mother came in uh, in 1989 to support me and help me with my youngest child. Mm. Little did we know she had breast cancer. Mm. So um, upon a regular routine uh, medical physical examination, it was discovered the lump was discovered by one of our doctors. So she didn't, she had just arrived from Nigeria. Mm. She had no insurance. I wasn't planning for her to come in and be sick right away. 
So it was uh, quite a challenging period for me. Mm. But breast cancer, when you get it, it's not something you sit on your own. You have to do something. And so we were faced with the challenge. Um, How was she going to be treated? At that time, my best friend, uh, Dr. Chinwe Otwe Agugua, was a trauma surgeon, and she worked at one of the hospitals. So she, uh, you know, in collaboration with some of her peers, were able to make sure that my mother had all the um, necessary treatments Mm -hmm. for her breast cancer. Knowing very well that as an immigrant, there was no coverage and nothing. Any of us, uh, we didn't have the money to start paying out of pocket. Yeah. That really, really was uh, an act of uh, God and service that uh, touched me. Mm. However, some years, 12 years after my mother's diagnosis, my best friend, the same lady who helped me to treat my mother, was also diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And uh, we were such good friends that, um, you know, it looked like it was me. As soon as mm. that, she called me, guess what? I said, what? I have breast cancer. I say you got to be kidding. Wow. You're a kid. You're a trauma surgeon. How can you have breast cancer? So all I'm trying to say is that for these two women, they were diagnosed with it. Uh, they went through all the necessary treatment. However, both of them eventually succumbed to that uh, disease. Mm. What is important to me, why I always tell their story, is that breast cancer does not discriminate. Mm. No, or doesn't know any educational level. Here is a trauma surgeon who had breast cancer mm. and she died from it. Here is my mother who had only primary six education. She had breast cancer. She also died from it. Mm. And so for those two women... I said, we need to do something to continue to make sure we're all very informed about this disease. We need to make sure that our women, wherever they are, here in Nigeria, any part of the world, because one in eight women in this world at some point in their life will have breast cancer. Wow. That's what spawned me and gave me the uh, inspiration to do what I do. Yeah. So the organization was started. It became apparent that uh, there are so many of our women, African women, who unfortunately find themselves in the same situation like my mother. Mm. They are here. Some of them are undocumented. Mm. They don't have insurance. 
So they might feel there's something wrong with their breast, but, you know, they just feed it out. Mm-hmm. Other times they feel it's not my pleasure. They want to pray it out. Mm-hmm. And we believe that we must believe in our Creator and our God upstairs, but at the same time, prayer plus medicine Hopefully, we can find a cure or a solution to breast cancer. As far as I know, we need to marry both of them. Uh, Prayer alone will not cure breast cancer if you don't do anything about it. I encourage every woman who has the disease to um, don't sit on your horse, just Go. There are resources available in the community. We want you to utilize it. And don't think you are alone. That's why this organization is in existence. We're here to hold your hands. We're here to navigate, help you to knock off any barriers that stop you from not getting all the necessary treatment you need once you're diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. Mm. That's amazing. You know, you talked about it, the fact that um, some of the women may be undocumented or may not have insurance and and they don't even know where to begin. So um, I guess you would encourage them to reach out to you. And I I will make your information available at the end of this discussion. So if anyone in the audience is listening and would like some more information or some help, they'll know at least where to begin. That's, That's so important. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask you, because I know that uh, if you're comfortable sharing, you also have a personal history with breast cancer. Are you able to talk to us about that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so, um, like I said, my mother died from breast cancer. Mm. My friend died from breast cancer. And so I was very, very particular about making sure that I get in my yearly mammogram. I wasn't playing with that. Mm. Uh, October of 2016, I had my normal annual mammogram, and then I get a letter saying that I need to come back and repeat the mammogram. Mm. And, um, you know, when that letter came... I really didn't know what to make out of it. I said, oh, no big deal. Maybe, you know, they they definitely didn't. Uh, uh, I mean, I've, let's say I was just in a little bit of denial at the time. So I went back, repeated the mammogram. Of course, uh, it required me to do an ultrasound, which I did. And eventually... Uh, I was also diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. The diagnosis came in, I said, oh, I'm sure there was a mix-up somewhere. So what I find out is that all these years I've been a strong advocate. I've done all the teaching and everything, but when it came to me, I realized for the first time, my goodness, uh, I'm joining this 
statistics. What do they mean I have breast cancer? So after that initial denial, I realized why not? You know, why not me? So um, it, it was really challenging. But at the same time, I had to step back and I realized that uh, there's a reason why I also have to be one of those that say you you were diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. It's not an easy thing to go through. Um, it changes your life. Mm. It really does. And um, one of the things I'm most thankful for is uh, the support of family and friends and if community. Because since I got my diagnosis, I have so much support. And uh, because of that, I will always stand up and make sure that we give the same support to somebody else who is going through breast cancer. Ironically, um, mine was found very, very early. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to go through chemotherapy or radiation. Mm-hmm. And I see that as a blessing. However, I opted to have a double mastectomy mm-hmm. because of my mother knowing that um, after genetic testing that is something that runs in my family so I did that to for peace of mind uh, the, the cancer was found in my right breast mm. so with the double mastectomy at the time, I thought I had made the best decision so I can have a peace of mind. However, there are things we can never explain. Mm. Uh, I left breast for whatever reason. Um, just, uh, I don't know the best language, mm-hmm. but just rejected every reconstruction that I have ever had. Um, I have had six surgeries to my left breast. And unfortunately, uh, September of this year, I had another infection to that particular breast. And this time around, I lost the breast completely. Mm. But um, when I look back, I will say that I'm, you know, too blessed to be stressed by cancer. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm alive. And I'm a testimony that when your cancer is discovered early, there's 95 to 100% chance of survival. Mm. I'll stand up and speak that I'm a testimony. Yes. I'm not, there's no pity party. Oh, why me? Mm. Why not me? Mm. So mm. it made me a stronger human being, made me stronger to be able to stand up for all women who are going through the same journey mm. and uh, to fight and see what we can do so that someday there'll be a cure for this disease. 
Yeah, you know, this is this is such an amazing story that you have. And it's, it's a story that affects so many women. And to your point, you know, I think I and you know, I was talking to another lady, and she talked about the fact, especially within our culture, you know, not just Igbo culture, but also amongst Nigerians, and maybe even African women, there's something a little bit of a stigma associated with breast cancer. So to your point, like you were talking about women just sitting and not doing anything about it. Part of it, you know, especially for women in the diaspora may be because they're undocumented or they don't have insurance. But even back in Nigeria, it may be because of shame or I don't know, fear. What would you say to women like that? I don't think, um, let me um, just piggyback on what you just said. Okay. I have met women right here in the diaspora who don't want to talk about it. Mm. And they don't want people to know that they have the disease. The first thing I say to women is, you have done nothing for you to be diagnosed with cancer. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to be ashamed about. Your story may help somebody else. Mm. Mm. Your story may help somebody else. And so I think it's time for us to be able to talk about it. Uh, It's time for us to hold hands and lend our support to those who are going through uh, the journey. Um, It's something that, like I said, it changes your whole life. Um, for those who have gone through chemo, it's not a funny journey. Mm-hmm. You go to it's not a funny journey. Whichever stage of cancer you have and whatever your own journey is, the bottom line is that we must continue to work to find a cure for this disease. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of our wives, our mothers, our friends, our aunties. And um, I want to stress that men also have breast cancer. Yes. So it's something that um, encouraging families, both the men and the women, if the women have it, that we require a hundred percent support from our spouses. Um, It's bad enough that at this time, you know, your life kind of changes, but you definitely are positive in the support of your spouse. I've had uh, cases of uh, women who during that time, uh, maybe due to lack of understanding, the men are not totally supportive. Is, and mm. that kind of rip them apart. Mm. So, for men, if unfortunately your wife finds herself in this situation that you know she needs your they, um, our organization, we have trained uh, patient navigators. Through our trained uh, patient navigators, um. We are able to work with women who have been diagnosed with cancer to make sure that they get 
every uh, help that they need. Their resources available that they may not be aware of, mm. but our home navigators will be able to work with them. Um, luckily for us, the organization works in collaboration with all the major hospitals in the Washington, D.C. area. Mm. So once our women come through us, we're able to get them into uh, early screening mm. or into treatment. It doesn't matter if it's in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia. Mm. So we work hard to make sure that uh, our women are not left behind when it comes to the treatment of breast cancer. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I wanted to ask, how does the AWCAA, is it self-funding? How does it survive, basically, financially, to be able to provide these services? Um, We've been around for 15 years, Mm. and in the 15 years of our existence, uh, we have been lucky to be uh, funded most of the time by um, foundations like the Susan Coleman Foundation. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, we get grants from uh, D.C. government. We got grants from Prince George's County and from uh, Montgomery County. But most important, uh, we have been very blessed and thankful for individual contributions. We do fundraising gala, and uh, we have a lot of supporters and those who believe in our cause, and um, they've always contributed. So a combination of all these uh, monies have allowed us to survive and allowed us to be able to continue the work we do in the community. Mm, that's amazing. And it's such important work. I, you know, we're just thankful for an organization such as yours. What is next for the AWCAA? How can the audience that are listening help to spread word about the organization? How uh, What is next for us is that... Um, As an African organization, we work with all African uh, women and immigrants, and uh, we do medical missions. Mm. Um, uh, This December, for example, we'll be going to Sudan, Mm. and uh, we're very happy to announce we have a container load of uh, medical supplies and equipment. Mm. We have a mammogram machine and an ultrasound machine Mm. among the equipment that we'll be donating to uh, one of the hospitals in Sudan. Mm. We do the same for any other African country, but most especially to Nigeria, which is my country. Mm -hmm. So we are always looking for volunteers mm. and when we say volunteers we are very grateful to past um uh medical personnel who have joined hands with us in all the medical missions mm. that we go to mm. to African countries. And so when we go on these medical missions we um 
most of the services are at no cost. And um, for the breast cancer aspect of it, I know that um, our chairman has gone, has performed a lot of surgeries. And so we are grateful for their services mm. and for them donating their time and talent mm. to be of uh, wonderful use and help mm. to our women who cannot, under normal circumstances, afford those type of services. Mm. This is this is amazing, Mrs. Mabuku. Is there anything I've left out that you would like the audience to know before we conclude today? Um, just that you know, we ask for people to support the organization, but also support any other breast cancer organization, and make sure that. Um, whatever donations you make, that the monies are used for the intended purposes. Yes, yes. It's wonderful to be here, and we're very proud of the work we've done over the years, mm. and we'll continue to do more work only with your help. Mm. So thank mm. everybody who have been there supporting us. Thank you. This has been such a wonderful discussion. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I really hope, uh, you know, that we touch lives. And uh, if anybody have any questions, I hope um, you'll be able to give out our information. Our main office is in Greenbelt. 8955 Edmondson Road, Suite D, Greenbelt, Maryland. And our phone number is 301-565-0420. Again, thank you for having me. Of course. And I, I will make all the information available on the website in the notes so that people can see and also the website address as well. Thank you so much. Oh, you are very welcome. And I, I just want to add that we just opened up a new branch in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you again. This is such an important topic, not just for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I'm sure that you found this discussion with Mrs. Mwabupu very helpful. If you or anyone that you know are looking for help and you're not sure where to begin... This is an excellent resource to help you get started. Please visit today's show notes on our website to access all of the contact information and ways that you can join the fight against breast cancer. The website address is www.vebo.com. You can click on Mrs. Wabuku's photo in the guest section or click on episodes at the top of the main page and you will find this episode. I still want to hear from you. Please let me know what you love and what you would like to hear more about. My email address is ugochi at theebo.com. I look forward to hearing from you. As always, you can subscribe in Apple Podcasts and you can leave me a rating as well. You can also subscribe on other platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to seeing you on the next show. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.